0: listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine this is socially distanced I'm Paxton with me is Justin how you doing Justin
1: I'm doing all right I'm doing pretty good doing pretty good
0: that's good I like pretty good it's a form of good and good is always good um we're back after a week's hiatus which is unlike us to pull hiati to pull hiati but uh you know we needed some time for ourselves by which i mean we just never uh coordinated about linking up and recording which is you know uh, sometimes you have a fluke week but the point is we're back not only are we back we're doing hour long shows again i made my promise last time and i keep my promises
1: uh you know we were we we were talking off mic for about like 30 40 minutes and i just like the instant we hit record I got so tired and I was like, oh, we're doing it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I had the same thought, especially because our conversation we had before was, I think, fairly riveting. Uh, riveting to at least certain circles, the kind of circles who would listen to this show. We made the classic uh, the classic gaffe of having really good stimulating conversation when not recording. Um, we talked <laughs> about Kojima. We talked about the term gamer we did like a critical analysis of the term gamer and it's it's uh uh sort of meaning in the greater cultural lexicon of the last 10 years like as a as a sort of meme and a derogatory term and like a term of pride for the worst people um we had good conversation and now it's all gone so now you get this
1: yeah we committed the crime of not uh you know just transforming every minute of our lives into content and now that you the listener
0: are denied access to
1: the like (laughs) that small sliver of our lives
0: justin this is why i keep saying we're never gonna be like the paul brothers if we keep up this work ethic or lack thereof i could be your jake or you could be my jake i don't know who wants to be who i which one's the boxer that keeps winning jake jake okay you want to be jake you can be jake
1: i Logan's guess. the one
0: who filmed the dead body jake is the boxer
1: yeah i want to be the boxer
0: okay i'll be the guy who filmed the dead body that's fine uh okay. he bounced back <laughs> from cancellation pretty well so maybe i can too after i film my first corpse <laughs> maybe so there's this segue i really
1: want to make here but it would be disrespectful
0: you've already started now you have to go <laughs> so,
1: speaking of corpses norm mcdonald died recently
0: <laughs> oh it's fine it's you know what it's the kind of joke you would have appreciated yeah yeah i
1: i hope so um I- <laughs> yeah I, and uh and paxton i know you you are a big norm mcdonald fan so you know want to
0: yeah uh yeah i i dude i don't know this was like this was a. I, I'm not someone who reacts to. Uh, I, I generally tend not to react to celebrity deaths with much emotion. Not to say that it's not sad every time. There's a, and like there's celebrities who I've greatly admired the work of, and it does like certainly hurt when they pass. Like it. It, it sucks. There was something here though that like was particularly devastating. I. I I don't know. The news of this one really kind of messed with me just because for me, he was kind and I think for so many people, I'm echoing sentiments that if you're on Twitter, you've seen wall to wall this same sentiment for the last two days now. But to me, Norm was like, he was in such a league of his own in the world of comedy. I've always been a big fan of comedy and stand-up and whatnot like i've i've since i was since i was a kid uh and norm i think at least as far as stand-ups are concerned i think norm might have been my favorite of all time um just simply because he could do things that i think were uh, literally impossible for any other comic to do in that his the framework of so much of his jokes was the setup and it would be an outlandish setup. You would, it would be these long fictional stories, usually about like some guy in the old West or like a coal miner. The context was always very weirdly old timey blue collar American, which just always kind of made it funnier. Um, And 90% of the joke I mean, 90% of any joke is, is set up 10% is punchline. But when I say 90%, I'm talking like in many cases, like nine minutes of a 10 minute joke was just set up and the punchline 80% of the time was like hacky. But the fact that you had, it was this, it was this uh, formula that you had of just waiting and waiting and waiting to whatever this stupid punchline was going to be it just it it was so engaging and it was so absurd and it was so just unlike anything else any comic has done or is even capable of doing because if any other comic tried it as far as I can think of like it wouldn't land he would tell jokes he was like I don't like the term anti-comedy just because I don't think it's I don't, think it's, uh, uh, I don't think it's a uh I don't think it's particularly nuanced term I I don't think it has a lot of meaning I think comedy is comedy at the end of the day but if there is such a thing as anti comedy it was what norm mcdonald did um it, just in that everything on paper should not have worked but his execution and his whole persona made it work like uh uh uh, what was i gonna say was um he has a bit one of my favorite bits of all time is about a 15 minute long bit where at the very beginning he just talks about he's like and i'm of uh, my impression is no good but it doesn't matter because it's still important to the delivery he's like you know i was uh, i was watching the news the other day and i you know i was watching the news and uh there's this woman she'd she'd gone missing and they uh they couldn't find her and they sent out search parties for her and uh, i got really invested in in what was going to happen to this woman and i was watching for days and then finally they found her body in the woods in a shallow grave and i thought ah shallow grave that kind of feels like you fumbled the ball at the finish line didn't it you, you you got her out to the woods and then right at the end there you screwed it up And he's like here's here's what i would do here's what i would do if i was a serial killer and he proceeds to go on for 15 minutes the entire bit just being a meticulous breakdown of how he would successfully pull off the murder of a person <laughs> and like to, like there isn't even really a joke he's just like yeah i'd follow her patterns i'd follow her around town for a while see where she goes and see she goes into this uh, sandwich shop and she buys these sandwiches so I'd, I'd follow her to the sandwich shop and just make sure she was you know she's she was going there routinely and then see that she goes to the ymca to play uh to play basketball a couple times a week so i'd you know i'd follow her there make sure she was still keeping up patterns and then eventually i'd and it's just all it is, is just a man telling you how he plans to murder a person. And it all leads up to, at the very end, after all of this just kind of grotesque talk, he just ends with, and then I'd make sure that I buried her in the deepest grave possible. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's how he ties the bow. And it's like, I, if I did that bit on air, I would never put my mouth near a microphone again because I would have looked like a friggin' psychopath. <laughs> and yet, I don't know. I, I just like, he had a, a particular magic about him that like, I, I just, and I, and so much of it is attributed to the fact that he had that voice, that voice and that delivery got him miles As did the fact that he was just a chronic constant, at least in the public eye. I don't know what he was like behind camera, obviously, but in the public eye, he kept up this persona of being the biggest weirdo alive, and it only played into his material so much better. I don't know. So that like, to me, and like that combined with the fact that, you know, Trevor Moore of the whitest kids, you know, another guy who I was a huge fan of, yeah. growing up, he passed yeah. a couple months ago. And that was another one where like, I, whitest kids, you know, was, I mean, I, I was in middle school and that was, you know, really popping off. And that was a huge deal for me at the time. Uh, and so like, yeah, it's two, uh, two, very, very unique and personally but also uh on a far larger level for a lot of people two very uh influential comedic voices Uh, norm mcdonald i think has given me such an appreciation for like i think a lot of my use of like kind of uh i don't know kind of goofy choices in language sometimes and a lot of my, like, uh, my, it's hard to even put into words, but a lot of my, like, appreciation and uh, love of, like, almost old-timey shtick, I like to do old-timey shtick sometimes. I I, I, I I can't really put into words, but I guess if you're a regular listener of the show, that you probably heard something or other like it. Like, pseudo-vaudevillian nonsense. Like, so much of that is attributed to, to norm and the work he did and like that that to, that is just the tip of the iceberg on like why why this one was particularly brutal to hear about um yeah yeah i don't know i'm st- i'm rambling i'm rambling norm style no. i'm you know, <laughs> that's what i'm saying
1: yeah um yeah um i uh you know i, I was Gonna say I was never a fan of Norm McDonald, but that makes it sound like I had like some like active dislike of Norm McDonald, which is not the case at all. It was rather like I never really encountered n- Norm McDonald's material. Um, just I w- was you know I've never been an SNL watcher, and like I think that was like this one like particular node that kind of like a lot of people encountered, and uh yeah, no, and just like my, my stand-up appetite just never like intersected, and it was like one of those things, um, yeah. And when the news came out that Norm MacDonald had died, it was just sort of, uh, you know, seeing this, like this, this flood of, like you said, on Twitter, just this flood of people like posting bits and kind of like, you know, posting, uh, like how significant uh, this man was to the, you know, in their life and their kind of like their, you know, their, their media life as it were. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those things where like, and this is like I think one of the one of the effects of like celebrity death that I feel like I've encountered a bit of recently, like with Norm McDonald, also like uh, Michael K. Williams as well. Just sort of oh, this yeah, like yeah, this think, kind uh, yeah. of like suddenly, like, yeah, like you know, who who's I've seen more of Michael K. Williams' work relative to Norm Macdonald, uh, to be honest. But like there's this like feeling a rupture basically, and kind of going like, oh, there is this there is a body of work that a lot of people have encountered that you Justin have not encountered and you know it was it was really the, this feeling of like missing something and like missing something in a way that like you know you can't be even though i could you know and i'm probably going to like after this episode is all edited and you know uploaded like going to go watch a bunch of norm macdonald bits there, there's still a sense of like not being able to go back in that same way because the person is gone and, like, you know, all of these encounters now with, like, all of the recorded bits are after the person is gone. And it's, like, this real, like, yeah, it is this, like, a feeling of transformation and, like, a kind of, like, it is, it is, a, it is a very strange, not quite real form of loss. I don't know. And it's um, very, yeah, and, like, you know, it's a very different thing that I'm describing than what you've described, Paxton. But, yeah, I don't know. It's just such a... It, it's it's a thing that i've encountered again and again as like news of like various deaths has kind of come out over the course of like the past year that i wanted to try and articulate
0: yeah i mean that like that's a and it's such a weird feeling when like a celebrity dies especially a celebrity who you like have an uh a particular affinity towards like a, a celebrity who really means a lot to you or their work means a lot to you is that like you have you have to yeah there's this fine line of like you can't really mourn you didn't i mean you can mourn I, I, I far be it from me to tell you how you can or should react to the news of someone's passing i i shouldn't get ahead of myself there but like there's a degree to which like mourning becomes self-serving like even then as i was going on about like what norm mcdonald means to me and meant to me like through my whole life like even then there's still like this feeling of like, this is arrogant. You're making it about you. When you don't know the person, it's really hard to make a, I feel like to, to um, uh, pay tribute to them without making it about yourself, which I always kind of feel is like a sort of precarious area. Like, I mean, and that's the thing is unless you either have, uh, like, unless you have some kind of relation to said person, then I think it's like here's why norm meant a lot to me blah 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 I think that's I don't even want to say it's perfectly justified because I just did the same thing I but it it feels it feels like there's a fine line you can walk to where it's disingenuous and you're using it as a platform to talk up yourself and it's tricky to sort of navigate does that make sense like
1: no absolutely like it's very like like I think it's very difficult to talk about I mean it's very difficult for us to talk about death period and i mean i think the yeah and celebrity death is weird because it's because because we don't know these people right but and yet they still do kind of like in a, in an indirect way like affect our lives because we encounter images of them and that's the thing is like it's the this so it's like this So talking about celebrity death, you know, ends up, or the death of a celebrity ends up being this, like, way of, you know, negotiating with ourselves, like, the the knowledge that, like, the person behind the image is gone. And that's, you know, and and despite the fact that we never actually encountered that person, we encountered this person at a degree of remove through their image. And yeah i don't know it's just this weird thing it's this weird thing that you almost because it's so disconnected you can't help but make about you even though that is you know like happening at like to a certain extent the the expense of the actual person who is now gone yeah and that's just i I don't even know what to make of it like or what to say about that aside from just like it's this contradiction that feels like built into talking about celebrity death yeah and that's um I don't, yeah I don't know and I, I don't have a way to put a bow on that thought to be honest
0: no and I think that's I well I actually think you raised a really good point is like this sort of feeling of like there's now a void with this person gone and I feel like one thing that is I think per, one thing that makes certain celebrity deaths really impactful I any death I don't I don't need to put footnotes on this I, every death is impactful yada 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 but certain celebrity deaths like when it's a person who is so particularly uniquely their own, there is this feeling of loss of like, oh, we're never going to get that again. We're never going to have Norm Macdonald again. We're never going to have anyone close to Norm Macdonald again because he is one of... I mean, again, part of the reason I loved him so much and so many people loved him so much is because he's one of the most unique, weird people ever put to screen. The fact that he made such an illustrious, lengthy, decade-spanning career, uh, despite the fact that, look, it, it, his... His material was not accessible to a large swath of the masses. I can very easily see a lot of people getting bored to tears by his lengthy rambling monologues about uh farmers who have one leg who find a magic goat to take them to a a land to give them a new leg made of candy i don't know that's some non that's the an a poor example of the kind of material he'd work with uh i could see a lot of people being bored by that you also have the fact that uh uh you know what we just did a little edit there and you know what sucks is I actually was going somewhere with that thought. Um, there was a little cut after I said that whole fake norm bit, I was going to continue on with it. And I forgot where it was going. So that be, Oh, I remember now. I remember now. And we're okay. keeping, we're keeping this in the edit. This is fine. This is fine. It- <laughs> it's just college radio. It doesn't matter. Uh, but, but uh no it's also the fact that norm was outspoken on things that he maybe shouldn't have always been outspoken on um or you know for the sake of his career uh norm was the i didn't agree with Norm on a lot of it he certainly had tendencies i think it's important to address this too i don't think it's It's uh, something to skirt over just because we're paying homage to a person. I think it's it's an elephant in the room otherwise. He had pretty obvious like homophobic tendencies. A lot of people who have worked closely with him have said that, yeah, he's kind of homophobic. Um, He had... he wasn't conservative he was pretty uh politically sociopolitically apathetic and he was pretty open about that but he was very much like a like conservative sympathizing in a lot of ways in a way that like uh in in sort of the way in a much more palatable and forgivable way that like joe rogan is like everyone deserves a voice you know that same kind of approach he was that kind of guy Um, there are some some allegations about uh misconduct misconduct uh towards towards other uh, female comedians uh he was not the kind of guy who was all sunshine and roses and i and uh, people who are on the inside information has leaked that he was just generally a very out there kind of guy sort of existing in his own world um despite all that, the fact that like he was still able to make the kind of mark he was able to make and make such an impression and, and get as far as he did, despite getting in his own way so often with everything he did is I think a real achievement to just his remarkable ability and his, uh, his i mean just truly i don't know I, to get kind of banal with it just like a just very unique voice i he's just a an incredibly unique human being who are never going to get back and i think that is like why so many deaths obviously are a unique human being is gone a person like that person is never going to come around again but then you get a person who is like no person like even remotely kind of sort of like this has ever existed and certainly will not ever exist again. Like, and that is where it is. That's when it becomes a real gut punch is it really feels like a very, very specific voice has been removed forever. Does that make, you know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I honestly, like one thing, you know, as you're kind of like, this is something that kind of like came to mind is just as you were laying out sort of the, uh, um the, the let's say the uh, issues of character and like potential issues of misconduct and all of that with uh the surrounding as well is that like also when we talk about like celebrities like you know more often than not we're we are encountering them as a body of work like when i was talking about image like you know they are a body of work and like that is and that body of work is you know it's texts that are sort of also weirdly separate from the person you know um, not to get all Roland Barts on, uh, on on this your uh, radio show but you know um, you know uh, well, Bart I don't, I don't know why I said it's French no s when there actually is an s at the end anyway um the uh, yeah yeah there's just this uh, th- there's something about enc- encountering someone's work and encountering like the particular there, there, there is something about creative work that feels very particular and singular, Um, especially when there's like, you know, you can see kind of like the, 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 well, when you can see the the voice of like, when there is a particular voice given to it, that, you know, comes from a person, but also, frankly, is not entirely of that person. And yeah, there is something quite, I don't know. I I don't want to say about that, that there is something that feels quite singular uh, about that, that is also weirdly separate from the person itself. And that's just a, uh, and yeah, but that's what we encounter of, you know, these creatives is their work. And that's yeah. how we, you know, that's, that's what, that, that is really what we come to know. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, and yeah, and and within that work there is a voice i don't know i mean this this thought is also kind of petering out but
0: no no i mean we we are gonna have to go to break here hello well if that us any indication we're gonna have to go to break here in a second yeah but um yeah no it's uh, it's it's a very precarious rope to walk in a situation like this because there is even more nuance to it than in the loss of an actual close personal a close personal loved one dies you fall into grief and you just remember all the moments you had with that person and everything that person meant to you etc etc when a public figure who you don't personally know dies it's a very different sort of grieving and coping process where like it it really affects everybody differently and your means of dealing with it are far different from the means of dealing with uh, someone who, you know, no matter how intimately close you felt with that person. And as you put it, their body of work um, with that person's body of work, the bond you felt with that body of work, how you wrestle with the loss Of any more of that body continuing and knowing that that body will now forever be a library of the past all right so that that is gonna be that is gonna be that uh for this first half and we will return momentarily to talk about uh, this ironic title not not uh iffy iffy title for our next half of the show but we're gonna be talking about death loop we're gonna we're gonna loop back to death with death loop that's so much better why didn't i let you handle the the segue into intermission my god all right that's why i'm the radio pro I remembered the thing I was gonna say again. I wanna make one. No, more- we're done. We're no, done. no, 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 no. I'm not stopping this recording.
1: listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine this is socially distanced and I am Justin Kieber and with me is the other host of socially distanced Paxton Wright how are you doing oh you Paxton? said my name too wow
0: oh hi Justin I'm doing great uh, do I not normally say your most name most people usually just call me the other co-host of socially distanced even my grandparents oh wow, wow. Uh, even before i was doing this show they were like who's who's that one that you know we got oh we got mason love him lovely grandson sloan just the light of our lives and there's that third one he's he's gonna be the host of a college radio show with eight listeners called socially distanced one day he's gonna do big things that's uh that's just how i'm known in circles hey well
1: you know um i'm glad that you know we i mean me and the listeners can help you fulfill this kind of a this life path this destiny that was laid out for you
0: Um, uh, um from the get-go a prophecy and, really yeah
1: and uh you know i'll be there to uh witness uh you know witness your self-immolation when the show is done oh, um, God. <laughs> just dissolving uh, into the ether yeah Uh, yeah yeah no exactly it'll be more like um you know more of a kind of like you becoming cosmic dust and just sort of you know blowing away and then uh you know i'll shed exactly one tear and then the actual villain will show up and then I'll have like my actual arc that proceeds through the rest of the, uh, the movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, anyway, uh, this is Feast in the Wee's, where we talk about the media we have been feasting on. And this week, uh, rather this today, I have been feasting on the first four or so hours of Deathloop. And I'm here to tell you about Deathloop. Uh, Deathloop is uh, a game by Arcane Leon with a very stupid name. Uh, that I actually kind of like, frankly. Like, I I think it's a straightforward name and it's not a sequel, and that's cool. Um, So to give you kind of a sense of uh, what it is, it is a game in which uh, you play a man named uh, uh, Colt Van, I think his name is, uh, who is a guy who wakes up on a beach with no memory. And well, rather... A guy who gets murdered by someone named uh, Juliana, I think, and then wakes up on a beach with no memory and then finds out that he is caught in a time loop that seems to have been orchestrated, that seems to have been orchestrated by uh, eight kind of people on an island. And this island is populated by a group called the Eternalists. And more or less, they are people who are like, seem to have and this is kind of um i've the who seem to have bought into like literally paid for a kind of uh an experience of what the game kind of cleverly refers to as a mortality which is to say that um they live in the loop of the same day over and over again and so everyone kind of behave like it's this sort of like bacchanalia at the you know at sort of the end of time where everyone's like okay i can do anything i want and it literally doesn't matter um because tomorrow i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna be here and you know like i can like i can literally die today and frankly i don't really care that much because i'm gonna be alive again the next day
0: it's an it's an island of groundhogs day yeah it is basically
1: it is basically a groundhog day island the main wrinkle being and that's the thing is like i'm early on i've avoided uh spoilers for this game because i think that like I'm honestly intrigued enough by the narrative and the way the narrative is being told to kind of see it through. That is probably the nicest thing I'm gonna say about uh, um, Actually, I have some nice things to say about it, but we'll get to kind of, I'm not gonna be as complimentary as the, uh, the, the reviews that have been coming out, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, uh, yeah. So it's like this island of Groundhog Days, where it seems like people aren't really aware of the fact that they've already lived this day. So that seems to be like the wrinkle is that, you know, from the way they talk about it, like they're like, oh, this is the first day of this loop.
0: Oh, so people um, aren't
1: people aren't aware that they're in a loop? I'm... People are aware that they're in a loop. They're not aware that the loop has already, that the loop is already going. And they like, cause everyone refers to this day as the first day. And I'm honestly unclear as to whether that that's just kind of fancy name for like the day of the loop. Or if they are not aware of the fact that they are just reliving the exact same day again and again, and like I hope it's like, the latter
0: because that's an interesting concept.
1: Because that's like what that. I—that's what I think. Like I think they are there; they are meant to have some sense of because some characters, Colt and Juliana, particularly like are like the main two who have some sense of like they know that there is a loop happening. Like they know that, like you know, like they they retain memories through each loop, uh, but not everyone does, and that's sort of you know ends up being uh anyway so that is the sort of like the narrative conceit is there's a loop your character wants to break the loop it is not entirely clear why he wants to break the loop it's sort of like you know he sort of gets introduced to the world when he has been sapped of memory and kind of like you know pieces together like oh okay people say like you know people are saying and i am kind of intuiting that i want to break the loop i don't really know why but i want to break the loop and the way to do that is because this is a game by arcane uh, to assassinate eight people um and like who are like basically like the eight kind of visionaries who are essentially like the the upper upper class of the uh, of this island they are like the, the people who run the island more or less
0: right so and- before, before, mm-hmm. before you continue i just like to be clear yeah because it's arcane and bethesda this is kind of a more action focused like spiritual successor to dishonored from what I've sort of gathered from the buzz and the trailers that I've seen. Yeah.
1: So that's the thing. Like this is, um, yeah, this this is a dishonored game. Like this is a dishonored game that doesn't punish you for playing lethally. Um, and that's kind of the, and that's sort of the thing is that what that narrative conceit is there for is, is to kind of, um, create the justification for the game's structural conceit which is basically on the island you can go to four areas and go to four areas at different times of day at morning you know morning noon afternoon evening and there are like events that kind of like you know can happen throughout the day that you can interfere with at these like you know in these different areas in these different zones to break the loop you have to kill all eight people within a single day and to do that, you need to kind of, like, orchestrate, you basically need to figure out where to go and what to do in order to orchestrate certain events to make sure that people are, like, in as few places as possible so you actually can kill every single target in one, in one fell swoop. And that's the setup. And, like, and so you kind of, like, you know, run through, and then you... You know, and then you go you go to these areas and you discover things that you can then act on in the next loop, and basically like you unlock a mission for your next go around is kind of how it works. And yeah, I don't know. and so, yeah, and that's basically, and so yeah, like and then, like you know you lose most of your items, but you can get a particular currency that lets you like carry certain items over into like each daily loop uh which um
0: is, is the uh, loop on mm-hmm. a on a fixed timer or is it based no. on when you carry so out all the assassinations
1: it, it's 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 based on when you enter and exit an area like you it, and that's sort of the thing is like it's basically a fancy mission select where like you enter like it you know like there, there are the four phases of the day you enter an area in the morning and then when you leave the area time moves forward while you're in the area it's just you know, it's that kind of like weird temporal stasis that like most video games kind of function by where just, you know, time doesn't move forward until you decide, okay, time for the next part of the day. And that's the thing is that like, you know, uh, like it's a kind of, it's a, a sort of neat structural conceit. It's a narrative conceit that like works largely because the writing is like like it's not in nothing, it's nothing revolutionary, but I mean, it is well-written, especially for an arcane game because like, uh, yeah, yeah I, I want to kind of get to like, that, but like, yeah, it's an interesting structural conceit that more or less boils down to there are four areas in the game, and frankly, they're not from what it, like what I've seen so far. Like, maybe this changes. They're not that different across the different times, you know. Like, they're they look a little different. Some enemies are in certain areas, and some aren't. You know, where where they're not in the other parts of the day. But like, really, like it already feels, frankly, it already feels pretty limiting in terms of like, you know, what what you can see. And I think that, yeah, I don't know. Like, like it's cool in certain ways, but... Okay, so here, here, here's the thing. I am an arcane skeptic. So, you know, for those of you who aren't in the know, like, arcane before this, like, is known for making the Dishonored games, which are sort of, like, these... Conceived as these, like, you know, updates to the, the Thief series from the 90s. But, like, more action-oriented, Dishonored was. Uh, and... They also made prey that like prey kind well, that of that was uh, arcane, wasn't it? Yeah. reboot, yeah, yeah, which which I played a bit of and kind of like got the idea and stopped. And yeah, and then I, I feel like they had like one other major thing that I'm like completely blanking on, but maybe they didn't. Um, you know,
0: Dishonored, Dishonored is the big one. That I like, yeah, know. D- yeah, Dishonored um, is like the big
1: one. And I'll say that like my past with Arcane is I played Dishonored all the way through multiple times. I played Dishonored two. Um, yeah, I started up Prey. Uh, I know the story of, and I kind of like looked up the story of Prey and was unimpressed and moved on. And uh, yeah, and then Deathloop is their their new thing, and I think it is the best of Arcane's games that I've played like it is like I think it just straight up by ha- through having a protagonist that I like frankly like I think he's actually kind of funny like it's the sort of like it's basically he's basically doing like a, it's nothing uh, he, he's basically doing a kind of it, it, there's sort of like a black exploitation kind of performance happening here like a sort of you know like a, a goo like a kind of like goofy rugged masculinity that is like nonetheless endearing mm-hmm. um and uh, you know, and it's for and you know, for what it's worth, like, you know, in terms of just like, you know little representation things, this is a triple A game where basically the main a- protagonist and antagonist are both black. And that's at the triple A
0: level, that's worth noting. That's you know, even impressive. though like I mean it shouldn't be, but it is, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean like you know that doesn't that doesn't represent like the actual like you know, labor, you know, like who's actually doing the work behind the scenes though, you know. Um so you know like in terms of like i'm I, I don't know the makeup of arcane i'm willing to bet like every other video game development studio it's overwhelmingly white and male mm-hmm. um but like they're, they're not universally i know i i am aware that uh but obviously not universally but like you know anyway that's not to say that like hey this like little minor representation good this little bit of representation actually makes up for you know differentials and like the real people making these things anyway um but just by nature of like there being some personality in the in the main character and like the in the narrative conceit being like a little more creative, like it's probably the best Arcane game that I've like I think it's the one that's hooked me the most. Um, but yeah, because I don't really like Arcane very much, and like it's one of these things where like I've always felt like very on the outs from like what like where I always feel like I'm not experiencing the same thing as what other people are playing. That's, how like
0: a- that's i will say just given that these games are both produced by bethesda that is how i felt about all of fallout and elder scrolls i uh, so like, i i don't like i play the game and i'm just like oh, wait am i playing the same thing as everyone else like because because <laughs> from my own, i love dishonored i love mm-hmm. the dishonored games i adore them I own Prey. I'm literally looking at my copy of Prey right now. It still has the plastic on it and I've owned it for about two years. So I can't (laughs) speak to Prey, but the Dishonored games I adore, but I understand that the the reason I bring this up is because I understand that feeling of like, what what am I missing here? Why is like, why am I still in 2021 seeing endless Skyrim memes wherever I go? And yet I put my hand on the game for hands on the game for five minutes and was bored to tears. Like what, what is, where's the disparity here? It's a a side note, but I, you got me thinking about that. Uh,
1: uh, I I couldn't think of a proper Skyrim thing. Anyway. um, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Arrow Neo is more thinking about like, like the opening, the opening of Skyrim is just so incredibly bad. Anyway. um. (laughs) But uh, yeah. Anyway, so back to Deathloop. Yeah, it's just um, like the the Dishonored games, I think, just have bad stories. Like I think it's this, and like uh, yeah, like they're they're just not interesting, like in any like dramatic sense. God,
0: I I should clarify that. Yeah, when I say I love Dishonored, I mean I love Dishonored's gameplay and I love its aesthetics and the look and feel of its world I love Dishonored's tone aesthetics and how it plays Dishonored's story and lore is painfully dry and boring in my opinion yeah like it's really like it's
1: bad and I mean this was this was like one of the most like telling like telling on yourself tweets I think I've seen from like a creative like a games creative which was um uh, I think I cannot remember the name of the like the director. It's Harvey something. I think uh, the guy that directed uh, at least the original Dishonored, who at one point said on Twitter like tweeted some of the effect of um, uh, hot take. I think Stranger Things has a better uh, has a better story than uh, what was it Twin Peaks season three. And I was like, whoa, Oh, well, there you go. Oh <laughs> man, that explains why you, the stories in your games are terrible <laughs> because you don't like what is like what is going on in your head like like are you 12
0: he's got you, he's justin it's called npc brain it's a chronic I mean, condition
1: i mean my man's got gamer brain like what is going on <laughs> and, and like and the, this game and like one thing that made me go okay fine i'll try death loop because everyone was like you know this game is getting 10 out of 10s everywhere um it was that he was not the director. Of Death loop and go. i was like okay okay like that's that's a point in its favor um but uh yeah like so that's the thing is like so i find arcane's games just don't work for me in terms of their narratives and also for me it's also this like i have a larger kind of like i'm an arcane skeptic i'm also an immersive sim skeptic more broadly for, and for i guess again for those of you not in the know like an immersive sim is this really kind of like nebulous game genre basically it's only really defining characteristic is uh this um emphasis on interlocking systems and providing the possibility
0: for emergent gameplay my my way of looking at it my simplistic Mm -hmm. way of looking at it is does this kind of feel like bioshock okay it's an immersive
1: i mean it's well basically it's like, like for me it's like does this kind of feel like deus ex yeah or does yeah, this exactly. kind of feel like thief and that's the thing is like dishonored was new faster more violent thief and like and that's the thing is like it's it's a genre that really is kind of associated with sort of like 80s and 90s and then there's like the, been this like resurgent interest in it um and i've never really dug immersive sims because frankly i just thought well i kind of just find there's something really um Uh, misleading about the genre name because these but because what what these games really do tend to boil down to because they are ultimately combat games is that this is like they're games where you can stab people quietly or shoot them loudly
0: yeah and And that's kind of very light rpg elements yeah exactly and
1: then like you know and then there's yeah some rpg and then maybe you can hack things you know and it's just kind of like it's an ethos that doesn't work for me because i don't find the i don't find the creative possibilities that the genre is about to be that creative like it's very much like my line of thinking is very much a kind of like an unironic like that like old that that like infamous review of like the original doom or someone went like what if you could talk to the monsters i like play something like a Dishonored or a Deathloop and go like, what if you could talk to the NPCs? Like, you know, what, like, what if you like, what if there, there were frankly, actually more creative options to navigate these spaces rather than like ducking through vents and stabbing people in the back. And I mean, and that really is like the thing about death, like the thing about Deathloop's uh, response that really baffles me. And like, why, like, you have all these people going, like it's 10 out of 10, one of the smartest games i ever played, a breath of fresh air. It's so fresh and new. Like, it's, a, it's an arcane game. Like you, you go up behind people with a big old knife and you stab them in the back. And yeah, then, everything you
0: told me just like, kind of sounds like Dishonored.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. And, and that's the, the other thing that's really weird is that like it looks like Dishonored in a way that like okay because like the death loop was kind of marketed on this kind of like uh like i mentioned black exploitation. that also kind of comes from the 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 marketing material and some of the aesthetic where like there's this kind of like this intense an intentional kind of retrofuturism and this is like you know not quite the same i'll put this way blaxploitation does not line up with the stuff i'm about to describe and i know that it's like different decades but um the uh but there's this kind of like the interior design of a lot of the spaces in Deathloop is this sort of, you know, like post Bauhaus, like mid-century modern, kind of like sixty, like it's the '60s style, you know. And, you know, it it looks like the '60s, but the thing is, like, when you're navigating the exterior spaces, and the thing is, in these M sims, what you're really mostly navigating is exteriors. Um, or especially in Arcane's games, like you're honestly not really working your way through that many interesting interiors and in like Dishonored, and you're not really doing that in Deathloop either. And Deathloop, like it's like these, you're basically going through these spaces that look like, you know, that's like mid-century modern on the inside and dishonored on the outside. Hmm. Where like it it almost looks like, you know, if I was to show you, um, like I've already forgotten the name of like the main city district, but there are basically there are views of kind of like the main city area in Deathloop that I think are like, if you remove, like, if you were to like make the, the, the sort of like the multicolored graffiti in these areas and just make it white, it would be completely indistinguishable from dishonored.
0: Like even down to like the, like kind of pseudo Victorian architecture. Like it's it's not like, like it's a little less Victorian.
1: Like, it's yes it's coastal i mean it's an island so I, like it's I very guess, coastal yeah, yeah. um but like it's not as like you know maybe overtly kind of victorian but it still does fe- it feels like a um, a less ornate kind of uh like late 19th century architectural style and it really does kind of like it frankly just makes the game feel way less interesting huh. I, I, like i just look at it and go like in every way, like and sort of like what you're doing and like where you are, it just sort of looks like an arcane. It looks like dishonored, and I'm just like this doesn't. This game is so, it's just not not as interesting as people are making it out to be. Like it's fine. Like like I said, like I think it is genuinely my genuinely my favorite arcane game because, I like the main character and I like and I like the way like it's kind of like, it's sort of doing the Hades thing of telling the story through kind of like you know you you know you die or you repeat a loop or you know like you start a new area and there's this kind of like iterative like dialogue that happens um where you learn a little bit more that it seems like you wouldn't have learned if you were just kind of blowing through and not taking your time and going through the loop again and again and that's cool and I I like that um and there is like some neat little like story things that like by pure happenstance this um you know, I, one of those dialogues is like, you know, Colt talking to Juliana, this, um, if her name's just Julianne, I'm going to be very embarrassed. Actually, I don't care. Um, but basically, like they're talking and then, you know, she goes and then she she says to you, like, you know, you believed in this project once and she plays a recording that's like, you know, Colt believing in the project of the Eternalists. Anyway, in that same level, I found a recording where basically someone was saying, hey, Colt, for reasons we can't explain, we need you to read this. And then it's the thing that you just heard in that recording. So it's like, you know, like that was a scripted thing to maybe fool you. Like that seems scripted to fool you into thinking you were once a believer in this project. And it's like, okay, like that's a nice little, that's interesting. Like that is kind of like, you know, uh, like a cool detail that I found that does actually in make me invested in figuring out what is actually happening in this game story and that is just not a way that an arcane game has ever hit
0: no um no, that like it, that's one thing i was gonna say is earlier is like uh, that's the thing is i dishonored is such a frustrating experience to me because i really do i really love those games but like it is such a frustrating thing to get dropped into like th- this section of this like this swath of this very unique and creative world of like, I don't know, you're at the docks of this, you know, yeah, sort of late 19th century uh, town that is like, it's also a bit of a slum and it also runs all on whale oil. And like, it's, you're in this just, uh, you are just, there's so much eye candy to walk around and look at and there's so many areas and nooks and crannies to explore and then you pick up a piece of paper with a note written on it and you get that note and you start reading it and you're like i'm bored to tears like mm-hmm. and that's it that's every time every time you you read you get a piece of world building and you just realize like, no, I'd just rather go around and keep silently stabbing people. And that's not me usually when I play games. I usually like that 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 flavoring and that world building and that that little peppering of, of lore here and there. I love that. But Dishonored it executes it terribly. And it sounds like with this sort of scene being an exception, that's kind of the case with Deathloop again. I mean, it, it, like... <sighs> I mean, like the notes
1: aren't that interesting, but like I do think a death loop, like at least, builds its world building into its kind of like narrative arc, where like some like where the narrative is kind of like about understanding just what is actually happening in this place, and like the notes are more interesting because there is that core mystery of like what is this place's deal, and like so it's more interesting than like the the stuff in Dishonor that is just like all of this like detail about like the economy and like the like the hierarchy and all of this kind of stuff that like fills in like that is like lore that kind of like fills in the sort of like the bare bones narrative like more this than much answers be-
0: the questions you didn't have basically yeah. yeah and
1: like and deathloop basically like thus far is more oriented around like you have a core question what is this place's deal and deathloop
0: is and why does this slowly- beach make you old <laughs> yeah
1: why or why why does this beach make you not old why do you keep waking up on this beach not getting older um and like and, and the game is at least oriented around that so i think it's just like i think there is a kind of a, a I, I think narratively this game is more interesting in its opening moments and i think it is a shame that what you are doing is shooting and stabbing people because that's what arcane makes is shooting and stabbing games because that's kind of all the immersive sin genre is to me is the one where you shoot and or stab people but it's up to you and it's like i don't care about that but the loop's cool (laughs) i don't know like anyway i'm here with the hot take that that is weirdly kind of a hot take that Deathloop it's fine that
0: is (laughs) how is that very lukewarm take actually and i'm not saying this to like jab you actually probably the hottest take on anything by arcane that i've heard
1: yeah right like yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's just i don't think it needed to be a, a or rather i wish it was a different kind of murder game you know like it was gonna be a murder game with a title called like like death loop but like i i don't know there, there's just there there is something about the, the about arcane's take on the immersive sim that i just find really mechanically unengaging but yeah but i'll see it through for the but it like it, it functions well enough and uh, but i'll see it through for the story and that is not a thing i've
0: ever said about an arcane game that before. is
1: never that's a- pretty yeah
0: <laughs> that's the thing is i actually we need to wrap up here but i will say both dishonored one and dishonored two these games that i just said i love i will say both are games where i got to the final mission thought it was too hard And then went. I really don't care how this ends and then turned it off and then never picked it up again. I I have like 95% completion on both Dishonored games and my lack of interest in the story ultimately dissuaded me from getting that last 5%. He takes that 5%. So, I mean, I don't know. A lot of this kind of tracks. It's interesting to hear. Um, All right. Any last thoughts before we uh, ship off here? no okay all right (laughs) i guess play death loop or don't i don't really know i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm probably not gonna play it in all honesty but who knows maybe i will anyway i i I, I, am sure it's okay i just i'm i gotta i'll I'll keep you
1: updated because like honestly if you like dishonored you might you might actually like this you might actually like it a lot
0: let me know. Hey, you, you, yeah. you keep me posted on what you're doing. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll yeah. revisit this next week. Probably not. Uh, rest in peace, Norm McDonald. And mm-hmm. uh, listen to the knobs. All right.